0: Hello, and welcome to our Biblical Education Series here at One Fellowship Church in Waco, Texas. You can find this series and others from our Biblical Education Program available online at onefellowshipumc.org and on the One Fellowship Church podcast. This evening, we are pleased to welcome Rev. Spike Burt, who is leading us through this six-part series on the book of Ephesians. Reverend Burt studied at Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama, and currently works at McLennan Community College. This recording has been abbreviated for online distribution.
1: We are going to start on page 10 of your books. We're going to read the text, uh, and then we're going to jump into some good stuff, and then have some really good discussion. Uh, So a little pre-warning for tonight. Paul is definitely diving in some really deep theology, um, so we're going to try to take it as, as slow as we need to uh, and keep it as practical as possible. We are going to start on page 10 of your books. We're going to read the text. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20 Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All right, so we're going to talk really quickly about this first section. Um, Paul, in last week we looked at verses 1 through 10 of chapter two, and it was all about, does anybody remember? all about the gospel. And we talked a lot about one word, grace. Can somebody hook me up with the definition of grace real quick? What is grace? God's mercy. God's mercy is definitely part of grace. Any other definitions of grace? His love. Yep. Definitely talked about that one. So, last week we talked about that the gospel is the foundation of our hope. Um, so, and this is my definition of grace, and I talked about this last week, but it's God's choice to continually love and accept us through Jesus Christ. So, it's God's choice to love and accept us continually through Jesus Christ. Um, and so. Paul says that this is the foundation of our hope, that the grace of God is that which we build all of our hope upon. And so, for the next two weeks, we're going to look at Paul's discussion about the effect of that hope. So, the first very week, we talked in the, in the first chapter, we talked about how we have a realistic hope. It's a realized hope. Then we looked at the foundation of hope. And now we're going to start looking at the effect of hope. And the first effect of hope is unity. And this is what Paul is talking about in chapter 2, verse 11 through 22, which is very confusing. And so we're going to jump over a page, really quickly, to page 18. And I have this little picture here where it kind of talks a little bit about, it kind of illustrates what Paul is talking about. So, before Jesus, the Jews and the Gentiles really did not like one another.
2: They distrusted
1: one another. There was some serious problems. There was, um, from the Jewish side, there were laws that kept them away from even contacting some Gentiles. From the Gentile side, there was like, Tons of issues where they're like, man, you people are just blah, 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 blah. And it was just over. Um, the A way that we can kind of visualize this to an extent, it's not holistic, but to an extent. Think 1950s race relations in America. Okay? Black and white. There were just issues. Not everyone had issues, but there were issues and everyone knew that there were issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paul highlights... Where these people were before Jesus. Um, And so the Gentiles, he talks about, they were separated from the Messiah. They were alienated from the blessings of God. They were strangers to the covenant of promises. Um, They were without hope and they were without God. Um, And then he talks about the Jews, how the Messiah came to the Jews. They are in relationship with God. Uh, They're benefiting from the promises. But there was mass chaos. Um, And then in the rest of chapter 2, Paul talks about how because Christ came and died upon the cross, he took the two groups that were separate and brought them together because of the blood of Jesus. Okay, So no matter where you were when Christ found you, because Christ's blood bought you, we're now on the same level footing with every other person that is a Christian. Now, Paul talks about after Jesus, he made us both children of God, the blood of Christ, and he broke down the wall of hostility. Now, um, there's a lot of debate as to what Paul is actually talking about here, but um, we really don't know what he's talking about. There's a lot of really good options what this wall is. We don't know. But what we do know is that there was a distinct block, <laughs> a distinct wall, not a physical wall, but a distinct separation between Jews and Gentiles. And Paul says Christ has broken that. Um, and so he talks about how they become a new family. So Before the Gentiles were separated from all these things, but now in Christ, both Jews and Gentiles are a new family of God. And in chapter 3, which we're going to go back and read, he's going to talk about how this is a mystery that was hidden before the ages uh, and that now people can understand. So let's read that and then we'll talk about it and then we're going to discuss a whole lot. Uh, because there's some really good discussion we can have here. What chapter is that? This is page 16. So chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Will somebody read that for us? For this reason I Paul, a prisoner
3: of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory.
1: Girl, you can read scripture to me anytime. Why? All right. That's one of the best readings of scriptures I've ever heard. All right. So Paul here is going to... He's hitting home this concept that we that we started in chapter one. In the very first chapter, he talks about the blessings that God is giving these, these realized hopes that we have. And one of the blessings he says that we have as Christians is that the mystery of the gospel has been revealed to us. And the gospel mystery, um, even though it's prophesied in the Old Testament, and as Nick has pointed out, the Jews were absolutely were supposed to be a light to the nations. Um, no one understood the full context of what would take place when Jesus came. Uh, and so Paul is saying that this 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 is the mystery is that that Christ came to make two people into a new people. It's not just that the Gentiles are coming in to become Jews, and or or the Jews are coming into the Gentiles to become Gentiles. They're, they're both coming into this new thing. To become followers of the way, followers of Jesus. And, and so this mystery Paul talks about is that it, it, he became a minister of it. And this is what God's task was him to him, was to go and declare that both Jews and Gentiles can become Christians. Now, you would think that there wouldn't be that much confusion or much hatred, even in the early days of the church. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of conflict even back in those days, the earliest days, between Jews and Gentiles. Who was right? Um, What did it mean to become into a a new relationship, a a whole new religion type thing? What does this mean? What does it look like? There was tons of conflict. Um, It it, it got so bad that you even see in the Bible that Paul and Peter even got into it about this kind of stuff. Um, They had church councils about all this kind of stuff. Um, What are the rules and regulations? So this is a this is a grandiose, complex mystery that Paul has declared um, that is good for us because it's the foundation of our hope. And it's the foundation of the theology, the effect of our hope that we've been brought together. And so Paul says in verse 10 something really interesting because we've talked about this a couple times. That Paul is addressing this fear that they have of the supernatural, the demonic realm. Uh, of Artemis and these things, if you all remember that. Yeah. So Paul says in verse 10 that it's through the church, this, this this mystery that's been brought together, Jews and Gentiles, that the manifold wisdom of God is being made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Yeah. So Paul is saying that when Christ died on the cross and brought us together... This newfound unity that we have in Christ is actually declaring the glory and power of God to the demonic realm and to the heavenly realm, to everyone included. We, because we exist, when we exist in unity, just by our very existence, we are shining the glory of God to everything. And it's shattering and conquering all things spiritual. All right, let's move on because I really want to get to discussion. Verse Uh, Chapter 3, verse 14-20, and I will read this for us. This is page 17. (coughs) Now we're going to get into Paul's second prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom... Come on in, sister. Alright. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, Paul is now in his second prayer and he's once again praying that we would know the love of Christ and that the love of Christ would draw us into unity. Paul has just broken down... That the, the theological reason why we have unity is because of the cross of Jesus. Now he's going to pray that we are strengthened. And this is a really interesting language that Paul uses. And we're gonna, I'm going to ask that question. So think about that. Why would Paul ask that we be strengthened? Why do we need strength uh, to know the Spirit? And this is when he's talking about uh, for it's about us. It's together, to know the Spirit together. Uh, He asked that Christ may dwell in all of our hearts, in in this unified body, that we, the unified body, might be rooted and grounded in love. That we may have strength to comprehend the amazing love of God, and that we may be filled with the whole fullness of God. Now the last thing I want to point out, because we're going to talk about it in a little bit, is notice who Paul is praying to in verses 14 and 15. What does that say? Who who, Who is he addressing in verses 14 and 15? What does that say?
2: Okay.
1: He's praying to God the Father. And then what's verse 15 say?
4: From whom every family is named on earth. Is
1: named. Now, why is that important for Paul to talk about that? Does anybody know this? Anybody ever heard this before? This concept of naming a parent is gives a child a name. God gives a person a new name. So the process of naming is also a sign of authority. So this is very important because Paul is praying to God, who is the the one who names all, which means that God, therefore, is more powerful than all. So again, we see this once again, where Paul is addressing this fear that uh, that the Ephesian believers had of all these all these things. All right, now let's get into discussion. And this is where I'm going to shut up and y'all can take over. <laughs> Paul talks about unity. Why is unity essential for Christianity? We can't
2: do it
1: alone. We can't do it alone. Keep on going. What do you mean we can't do it alone? <laughs> and I'm going to get a
2: minute.
1: No man is an island. Okay, no man is an island. Why uh, else? And... If we remember
3: that a house divided against itself cannot stand. So uh, where there is unity, there is you, you, uh, there is strength. Where there is unity, there is love. There is sustenance. There is life. Not saying that we won't have disagreements. Not saying that, but at that end, when we depart, we should not have any differences. We come to what is known as a compromise. We come together. We identify each one's thoughts, you know, and everything. But before we leave, we have to be unified. We recognize the differences, but we come together. All right. You know, it's that. So, <laughs> let's
1: get into this. Let's get, let's get down and dirty and real. Yes, sir. All right. So there's strength in
3: numbers. I heard that. Together Where two or three are gathered. in my name. Okay, touching and two. agreeing. I'll be in the midst.
1: All right. Now, do we all agree that as Christians, the key word here is, should we be in unity with everyone that is Christian? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. We are one. So yes. we are one. So, here's the, here's the key word that we just said. We no are one
3: in the spirit. No. Okay? No.
1: We all agree that we should be. Yes. Are we? Yeah, we should. No. No, no we're not. No, we want, but
4: we should,
1: we should not be. Okay. So, we mean. all agree that we should be. Yes. But yes. the reality yes. is
3: we're not. Yes, we're not. That we're not. No,
1: we're different not. different religions. <laughs> there are different religions, but let's just there talk there about Christianity alone. Okay? So, different denominations. Now... Yeah. Let's, let's ask the question, then, if we should be, but we're not, why aren't we?
2: Part of that, I think, is because we're still trying to figure out who and what is Christian. Okay. So, if someone <coughs> fundamentally disagrees with me, I can, I can name call and say, he's a heretic, she's not a Christian.
1: Okay. So we have differences in theologies and, and beliefs and practices. Yes. <coughs> okay. What else? What else keeps us separated? Hominical. What'd you say? Harmony. Harmonly. Yes. Coming together. Okay. So, in, in what sense, Lovey? Help me explain that. Okay. Uh, I might not agree with someone. Okay. Someone else, you know, take a. You know, yeah. Not. And so that keeps you separated. Yes. Okay? Absolutely. Um, So on top of theology and practice, what are some of the other things that we disagree with people on that keeps us separated from them?
2: Lifestyle.
1: Okay? Lifestyle. Raising of kids. Okay? That's very bad. (laughs) How? Raising of kids. Oh, six. golly.
3: You yes. have become political. All
1: right. <coughs> a couple weeks ago, I called Nick a messed up cracker, but I'm going to go ahead and admit that I am the <laughs> chief. You're what? I am a messed up cracker, and I am the chief. You all right there? <laughs> Y'all, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be real with it. It.
3: That is, you
0: know, He did and call and me that a I couple know, weeks it ago. <laughs>
1: I'm laughing at that. If before, I find out... I've heard that before. If I find out that a Christian, I'm just being real, is a Trump supporter, I say, mm, <coughs> I don't think I want to talk to you. Now, according to the theology that we're studying, who is in the wrong? You. 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 Why? Why am I in the wrong? I'm to judge. Because, because I'm judging, judging folks. Yes. Okay? So judging folks... Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let's look back at the Ephesians. They were Jews and Gentiles. Yes. They had different theologies and practices before they met Jesus. They definitely had different lifestyles. Yes. Yes. They had different politics, they were judging one another. Yes. What else did they have that kept them separate? That kept keeps us separate. There's also a different yeah. ethnic
0: identity that they oh. carry in. Yes. Okay? So there's a mm-hmm. pre-existing division from outside the church. Yeah. Yes. And they carry that in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can do the
0: same thing? Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, we do.
1: Okay. Here's another one that I often think of. Bad blood. Blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. They did me wrong, man.
2: <laughs> That's they
1: right. They did me wrong. But never
4: forgive.
1: Yes. So unforgiveness. Yes. That's right. Right? Unforgiveness. Right. So right. According to Paul, the blood of Jesus <clears throat> fixes all that. Yes. Now, How many agree with that? The blood of Jesus fixes all that. Oh, yeah. I do. I agree. Nah. Nah. No.
4: Sometimes
1: love. Sometimes love. No. Why not?
4: That's okay. I think it'll fix it if you. It, 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 he, he's, he's done it, so it's up to you to accept. And change. You it know? Changed. This takes hard work.
3: Yes, yes it does. Whoa.
4: Yeah, it does. That's, this is hard. Death.
2: This means
1: that I gotta get over myself.
3: Yes.
2: This is Paul 2 in Philippians. It's like it's like dying to all of that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's it's like the whole bit about being named. I mean, you once you became a Christian, you you may very well have to give up your your family <coughs> heritage, all these things yes. in in this context. So, I mean, this taking on of a new name, Christian, is to to be superimposed over all of that. Yes.
3: <laughs> you die of your.
1: Now, wonderful passage, and I'm forgetting where exactly it is. Is it Hebrews 12 or Romans 12? And I don't remember at the moment. I've been under the weather for the past couple of weeks. Be a living sacrifice. Where is that? Is that Romans or Hebrews? It's one of the 12. Romans 12? Okay. So, therefore, be a living sacrifice, which is your holy and acceptable act of worship before God. Okay. Now, All right. now here we go. Here we go. Okay, Annabelle. Imagine that you're one of the cows or the sheep, probably a sheep. Okay? Now, imagine that you're that sheep and you're being (laughs) led in the temple. (laughs) Now, you have your brain right now inside that sheep. That sheep is you. You are being led towards the altar. What are you thinking?
4: I'm
1: fixing to be slaughtered. slaughtered. (laughs) Yes. How many of you all are going to start kicking that shepherd to get away? (laughs) I'm going to be kicking. I'm going to be biting. I'm going to be doing everything I can do to get myself out of that situation. Now, Paul says that we are called to be a living sacrifice. We're called to go up, not only go into the temple, not only go up to that altar, but we're called to sit there and look at the night as it's coming down at us.
2: I don't want to
1: do that. You're scaring the your child. <laughs> They're
2: not. You're scared of your child. Does anybody in this
1: room think that that sounds like an awesome act of worship? No! no. <laughs> that's terrible! That's horrible! And yet that's exactly what Paul says is worship.
2: Yes.
1: It's his concept then that unity is the effect of hope. Because we need one another... But all these things are real things. How do we deal with somebody that has a political view that seems so contrary to anything Jesus than you? Right. How do we deal with, you know, I'll be the guy that does this? How, how, do, how do we deal with the fact that, that Christians have used race for horrible, horrible, horrible things? Yeah. How do we deal with the fact that Christians... Um, Have done crazy things to you, horrible things to you, bad things. How? What do we do with that? We're called to unity, but how do we have unity?
2: What do you think? It would take for everyone to get on one accord, and that it's not nothing is impossible,
4: but it'd be very, very hard. Very hard. Racism still exists right to this day. It's still strong. But I think that, you know, we need forgiveness in our yeah. hearts, regardless of what's <coughs> going on. Yes. We still have to forgive. And sometimes it's hard, but, but that's a necessary thing that we have to do. And that's all it is to it.
3: Okay. face it, you settle it, you talk to the person, and you let it go.
1: So this is reality. This is messy. Isn't this messy? Yeah. Yes. yes it is. You It's the goodness. Because
3: at the end we, we die from our thoughts, our judgment, and our flesh. We free ourselves. We free ourselves and once you free yourself from everything and, and be in tune to Christ <coughs> you, have, you have literally
1: died. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to ask a very personal question. You don't have to answer this out loud. If you want to, we'll talk about it. Okay. The Jews and Gentiles were struggling with unity with one another. Who are you struggling with unity with? Who are you struggling with it? Because the reality, 99% chance that all of us in this room are struggling with somebody. Yes. Some type of person. Yes. We have wounds in our past that keep us. Uh, I, you know, I don't mind letting you into my closet. I already said that I'm not a Trump supporter, and I really have a hard time with that one. Uh, one of the really big ones for me is when I was in middle school, I was picked on heavily to the point of becoming suicidal. Um, and it was the popular kids, and even to this day, I still struggle. When I know that there's a popular kid, and I struggle with that, just because the wounds in my past... And I've had to work really hard in a really long time in this process of forgiveness to even get to the point where I'm like, Man, let's 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 talk. We can talk, we can do this, we can go eat breakfast, we can be friends, we can do this. But for years I've no thank you. I know where that's leading. Did you say
2: popular kids?
1: Yeah, like you know, like preppy kids and athletes and yeah. and so to me they're dangerous. I that's who I was picked on by. That's who you know, made me feel so worthless that I wanted to take my life. To have anger, for me, it wasn't right that those kids bullied me. No, it wasn't. But what I found is that even though it wasn't right, and I was justified in my knowing it wasn't right, my attitude was not one of forgiveness. It was one of avoidance. And so that's something that we always have to check in ourselves. When it comes to unity, uh, and I'll go back to myself because this is, I, have, I feel I feel I have a feeling I'm not alone in this one, but if there is a brother or sister in Christ that they profess Christ, they can have a political view that's not mine, and they can be wrong, and I can be wrong. But am I willing to even sit there and talk to them? No, I'm not, and that's my problem because I don't want anything to do with it, you know. And so a lot of times we take that upon ourselves. Go ahead, Noel
2: talking about righteous, righteous indignation yeah and that's, that's
1: totally justifiable
2: I, I don't know I feel like there's a different, a different <coughs> category for that than there is for I'm, I'm angry about this thing sure absolutely I don't know.
1: without righteous indignation the civil rights movement wouldn't have happened without, without righteous indignation slavery would still be intact yes. um, righteous indignation is a wonderful thing uh, the danger of righteous indignation is when it leads to not willingness to have any relationship with somebody that's different. And that's a trap that a lot of us fall into. And I'm not accusing you of that. No, I am. It's just a reality, it's a reality that's hard. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, in the Bible it says, don't cast your pearls before swine, right? Um, but the, so, so there's a balance in that. So this is messy. And this is really interesting because the whole book of Ephesians is about hope that we have, and yet we can get so focused on other things that we lose sight of the hope that we have. And that's why Paul is encouraging us and reminding us that we have hope. And the reality is that we have this hope together. This prayer is to the unified body of Christ. It's just, Paul is talking about our heart. Are we going to look at our brother and sister and say, you're not, and I am. And if we do, we got a problem because we're not, we're not remembering the cross. So, in chapter 3... And this is what we'll close on. We'll close on a happy note here. Paul says that in chapter 3, he was given a mission. Yes. His mission was to go and to share the hope of the gospel that both Jews and Gentiles can get saved. What's your mission? You know, a lot of times people feel like they're too old or too disabled or too young or not educated enough or a million other reasons. But they say, well, God hasn't given me any mission. And I'm under the belief that if you're a Christian, God's given everybody a mission. And some of the things you've said is be like Jesus to people. But one of the greatest missions that we need uh, is the mission and ministry of prayer. And that is an essential um, essential need for the church is people that pray. Um, and so that is that is an incredible ministry. Um, let's talk really quickly about how do you find your mission? How, how do we know? You were saying how do
2: you define
1: it? How do you find it? How do you, how do you
4: find, oh, what, we'll find what, what your mission it. is, what God has
1: called you to?
4: How do you find it? Sometimes you have to quiet yourself to be able to hear and discern what God is saying. Sometimes our lives are too busy. We have our own routine. We routine God out. You know, you say your passion. Some people, they they, they so worked up doing everything, they don't know what their passion is in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to quiet them. You know, you have to have that solitude time. Really, have that time where you really want to know what God wants you to do at this time in your life. Because I learned that the assignment changes sometimes. Sure. It does not remain the same. Sure. No. It changes sometimes. You know, one while he may have you doing that, and then the next thing, no. And sometimes it'd be abruptly. You know, we don't want it to be that. We want to stay there because it's comfortable. But so, I learned that the more you quiet yourself and pull yourself away, you'll get the answers that you need.
1: <coughs> My mentor once told me, and I, I tend to believe, God doesn't call a place, he calls the person. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, things that Jesus told us in scripture. He told us, we're recalls to love God.
2: Love people. Serve.
1: We're called to love God. We're called to love people. We're called to serve. And the hard one we've already talked about tonight is we're called to sacrifice ourselves. And so we're I mean the well from the Baptist tradition. And there was a whole push 20 years ago. Find God's calling for your life. Find God's calling for your life. Take a spiritual gifts test. Find out what God has called you to do. And people spent a whole bunch of time trying to figure this out. And what they didn't realize is that if they would just love God, they would love people, they would serve people, and they would sacrifice what they want for what God wants. And that means that we have to read what God wants. That they would be following the path of Jesus.
3: Well, that I want to tell you it was not just the Baptists, United no. Methodist, the, the, the whole church. The yes, they were. And
1: well, the we're pre- going to talk about the Presbyterian. The, we're going to talk about the gifts next week. Uh, so this week we focused on the theology of unity. Next week we're going to talk about the practical application of how do we do this? Because Paul gets really practical. If we're going to live in unity, there are some things that need to change. Um, And so he's going to get really down and dirty. Now, what I'd like to close with tonight is flip back with me a couple pages to the Scripture. Because I want to show you something very important. So this is page 17. In Paul's prayer. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Verse 15. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Verse 16, that according to the rich of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Mm-hmm. Verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the amazing love of God. Two times in this prayer, Paul prays that they would have strength.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, I may be wrong. I'll go ahead and tell you, I may be wrong. But I think that Paul used those words for a reason. It's hard to be in unity, and I need every ounce of strength that Jesus can give me to get over myself, to get over my hurt, and to love people that are sometimes hard to love. Yeah Two times.. Let's see what time is it. God has called us to love God, love people. So I'm going to close with this prayer, straight from Paul. God, I pray that we, according to your riches of your grace, may have strength through your spirit, so that we may dwell in you and you and us through faith, that we may be rooted and grounded in love towards you and towards one another, that we may get over ourselves and through ourselves and be willing to stay on that altar of sacrifice, even though it's scary, that we may have strength to comprehend with everyone how amazing your love is, and that we may know your love that surpasses all knowledge, and that you would fill us with everything there is from you. We pray that you'll bless the rest of this week for us. We pray that you would bring us home safely and back safely. And we ask this in your name. Amen. 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 Come back next week and we'll look at the practical aspects. Two more weeks, y'all.
0: Hi, my name is Nicholas Wurst. I'm the executive minister here at One Fellowship Church in Waco, Texas. I just want to say thank you for listening. You can learn more about our church online at onefellowshipumc.org and you can like us on Facebook to stay up to date with all the latest events in our community. Please feel free to share this message and others online so that more people can learn about what God is doing here at One Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.